And I need to do it, eh? Okay, I want to just share about the compassion of God today. I have really been touched over this last two days. I got up yesterday very, very early, very, very early in the morning and was waiting on God. And uh, God began to really speak to me out of the parable of the Good Samaritan. I'm not going to share that today. That was for the ones who turned up at the business meeting. And uh, you'll have to ask them because not only did we not tape it, I didn't have a written message either. I had it out of my spirit. And so those who were there got the goods. Those who weren't, well, ask someone who was there. I'm going to just read in Psalm 145. We're going to pick it up anyway. I'm going to pick it up from a different aspect. I've heard God speaking to me just with some things. And I want to just share some because I believe God wants our lives. How many know God wants us to have an impact, influence? How many have found as you've tried to reach out to people that this, there's been is difficulties, huh? difficulties, and there are a lot of difficulties. Some of them are spiritual resistance. Some of them is just ignorance how to talk to people and be nice to people. So uh, we want to try and do something about that and uh, talk with you about how to build quality relationships. But I want to just talk with you about the compassion of God, because as we're going to look and see, it's something that can grow in our lives, and without it will never really have impact on people. You see, and we have to bring God to people, not just Bible verses. People don't want to be, you know, have a, like an insurance sale come and try, insurance salesman come try and talk them into something. People need to encounter the presence of God by His Spirit touching their life. And we are to bring God to people. But it's the how-tos is the challenge, isn't it, eh? And so I want to share with you something, and it's going to be quite practical, and I want you to see how important this aspect is in, in working with people. When I remember one of the first people that ever spoke to me that impacted me deeply. And you know what? It wasn't what they said. It was what I saw in their eyes. And to this day, I've never forgotten it. It had such an impact, what I saw in their eyes. They didn't argue with me. But I saw a look of concern for my welfare. I saw it in the eyes. And I was just, you know, you know, you're unsaved, you, yeah, 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 you know everything, you know. And I was sort of just talking off and you're coming out of university, you know all this stuff. And, and, and this person just said very little, but I saw the look in the eyes and I never forgot it. It, it deeply impacted me because I realized, you know, funny, it was something in that look. I realized I was in trouble. And there was a cause for concern. But I didn't know what the trouble was, and I didn't know what I needed to do, but I felt I'm in trouble. I didn't feel any accusation or condemnation because I'd been sharing what I did and all that kind of stuff. I didn't feel any accusation, any condemnation. I felt a deep look of concern for my welfare, and it impacted me. And within probably within about two months of that, I got an encounter with God, baptized in the Holy Ghost, and my life just zipped right around altogether. But it was, I remember it, I can remember it like it was yesterday, even though it's got to be at least 30 years ago. And it was just sitting there, she'd, she'd asked us to come to her flat for coffee. Joe and I went there and we sat down and had coffee, and, and she invited us to come to church, and I was going to share about stuff, and the look that she gave when I was just sharing about what I did and some of my background and stuff, the look of concern, and now, now I know what it was. it was. It was actually the compassion of Christ. And, you know, Paul says, you know, the love of Christ motivates us or compels us to do things. Now, what is this? This is not duty or obligation. This is something, this is a fire burning on the inside that you just can't help, but you have to do something. And that's what we want to have operating in our lives. I want to share some things. I'll just go through the scriptures, and, and uh, I'd like you to take notes on the scriptures. 
And uh, notice what it says in, uh, in Psalm 145. The first thing we see is God is full of compassion. He's full of it. Most people have got wrong concepts of God. The, verse 8, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Full of it. He's full of it. Absolutely full. He's gracious. That means he, he handles us in a gracious way. He doesn't handle us roughly. He doesn't bully us. He doesn't push us around. He handles us graciously. That means you treat, he treats us with respect as an individual. He doesn't try and force us to do things against our will. He actually treats us with respect as someone who's of value. That impacts people to be treated with respect because most of the world disrespects us. And we feel hurt inside. And not only does God treat us with respect, he's gracious and he's handling, but he's full of compassion. He's absolutely full of compassion. Full of it. And we're going to describe what compassion is. It's different to sympathy. Look what it says in Exodus chapter 33 and verse 19. Because Moses encountered God. Moses is talking to God. And Moses says a couple of things. He said, Lord, first, first thing he says, he says, I, I don't want to leave here unless I know your presence is with me. He didn't say, well, look, I got the Ten Commandments. You can go back to heaven now. I got, my, I got my stuff. I got a Bible. He didn't say that. He said, Lord, how will the world know that we are different except tangible presence of God is with us? You've got to understand religion doesn't have a tangible presence of God. If you are a religious person, you won't carry a tangible presence of God. You won't be marked out as being distinctive. The thing that makes us distinctive is our personal relationship with God and his presence touching our life in tangible ways. She said, coming to church doesn't give that to you. Coming to church, you encounter what someone else had. <laughs> what we got together. But when you go away, you've got to have it yourself. There's no substitute. We've got to have the touch of God. So, so Moses says, don't take us anywhere unless your presence. I want to know you're with us. And I want to, don't want to know it just by faith. I want to experience your presence continually. And that's normal. But you see, of course, it's not what we experience. So, uh, oh, the communion set up. No, I'm not going to worry about communion. I have to leave it today. I want to do this. This is more important. I'm sorry for those who have set it all up. We'll do it tonight. How about that? Okay, so, so compassion. So in, this is Exodus 33 and verse 19. He said, now, he said, Lord, he said, show me your glory. I want to know what you're Show me your glory. Show me what you are like. And, and that's the cry I've got in my heart. I want to see him. I want to know what he's like. I want to know him. See, you can't, you, there's so much to know about God. You think you know it. You don't know it at all. There's so much to know about it. And God said, he said, show me your glory. He said, this is what I'll do. I'll make all my goodness to go before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord. I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious. And I'll have compassion. So notice that, that when God, Moses said, show me your glory, what you're really like, he said, I'll show you all my goodness. But you can't see me face to face. It'll be too much for you. And God hit him for a little bit and he saw the glory and he saw the mercy, the compassion and the goodness of God. He was overwhelmed. Now, when we look at Jesus' ministry, when Jesus came to earth, he came to represent what God is like. So it's only natural then that all through Jesus' ministry, he would demonstrate compassion. So what is compassion? It's not the same as sympathy. Sympathy, you feel sorry for someone. Oh, oh. Bad, you know, I had something like that too. It's hopeless, isn't it? Terrible, you know, you have a bad deal. You know, now, that, now, this is not going to happen. Oh, you poor thing. I feel so sorry for you. Oh, and you end up there and you drive them further down into their pit of self pity. 
Now that's sympathy. Human sympathy cannot work the work of God. Compassion is something different. Compassion comes up, uh, it comes out of two words. It comes out of the word passion. Passion. It's a good word, isn't it? Passion. Yeah. Passion. The feel something. You know? and, and, and the word com means with and union with. In other words, it means to feel the feeling someone is going through and be moved to do something to help them. So compassion's not compassion unless you're moved to do something to help. See, when God has compassion, he doesn't have God great feelings of compassion. He actually acts to help. So compassion, the Bible always, you notice when you serve Jesus, you'll find he was moved with compassion. He felt for the people in need. Some people think that God's remote. No, God feels things. You know why? One of the reasons Jesus came onto the earth and experienced life as we know it, so he could feel what we feel and identify with us. Now, don't you hate it when someone says, oh, I know just how you feel. You think, I think I might just poke you in the eyes. Because what, what, what they're saying is, what they're doing is they're trivializing your pain. They're not listening to you. Oh, I know how you feel. Blah, 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 blah. You know, and you, you shut off immediately, walk away. And you're actually annoyed, not helped. Because what they gave you was they just minimized what you're going through. You see, when God has compassion for us, he engages and enters our world and identifies with us and then shows us how to move out of it. Sympathy will never get a person out of their problems. It'll reinforce them. And too many Christians give sympathy when we should be giving compassion. And what we do is we actually reinforce wrong attitudes, negative attitudes, self-pity. Poor me. We don't understand how bad it's been for me. And we say, oh, yeah, you should be badly treated. Hey, listen, life is bad. Hello, we're in a war zone. In case you didn't notice, we're in a war zone, and in a war zone, bad stuff happens. Happens to all good people, too. There's no exceptions. We all have stuff happen. How many have had some bad things happen sometime? Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is life. Welcome to the world. You want the good things to happen? Go to heaven. But while we're on earth, we can bring some of heaven to earth, and we can bring good. We can bring the life of God, and to bring the life of God, we've got to have compassion. So notice, compassion, it moves people to do something. In Mark 1, verse 41, Jesus saw a leper, and he didn't look at the leper and say, leprosy. I've got to pray for him over here. He didn't do that. The Bible says he actually was moved with compassion on the man's deep pain, not just his physical disease, his emotional loneliness and emptiness, and he touched him and then healed him. Okay? Compassion moves you to connect with people, touch people. Uh, there's another scripture in, in, in Matthew chapter 9, and uh, in verse 36 through to verse 38, it says, Jesus looked at the multitudes. He's still looking at the multitudes. And you know what Jesus sees when he looks at all the people? He doesn't look down and say, oh, I'm going to burn them up. They just, they tick me off. He doesn't look that way. He, says he, moved, he looked on the multitudes. He's moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion, and the, the Great Commission is initiated out of compassion for people. Because God had compassion, he sent someone to do something about the problem. 
What a wonderful thing. Compassion moves you. Sympathy, you just feel something. Oh, there, there, there. You'll be okay. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. Just be all right. It'll be all right. Now, that's not going to help them either. It won't make them better. And it won't make them, they'll be angry inside. Oh, you just need to get over it. I think I'll poke both your eyes out now. You know, that's not what you need when you're in pain. When you're in pain, you want someone to come alongside you. They don't have to say something. So they just have to be there. Just have to enter your world and be present and be able to give some assistance as it's needed. Sometimes just to be with people when they're in pain is all it takes. You you know, I mean, I remember when my dad died. And uh, no, when, when, my, uh, when my mother died, and uh, we were just a very young Christian then, I thought she was going to live, and you know, I got all this expectation at her. And then, of course, huge disappointment when she died. She died quite young, about 54, I think, 56. And, uh, but I went to, we went to the funerals in the Catholic Church, and, and I was having to, because of the whole situation, just be strong and to you know, be a source of strength to others. And, but you know what happened? The, I cracked up at one point. I really lost it at one point. And that was when we were coming out of the service and the pastor was there. And he came just to be there. He didn't say anything, he was just there. And I just wept because he was there. And I wasn't alone in the problem. He couldn't fix it, he couldn't change it, but he was there to be support. See, we, see that's compassion. Compassion, or you don't always have the answers. I remember I was sharing it on, on Saturday, a, a young family in the church, and, and, and they had a, a cot death. I never had a cot death. I was a young pastor just starting out. I didn't, I didn't know what to do about a cot death. What do you do about a cot death? How come kids die? What's wrong with this? God, what's wrong? Yeah, that's what you go through. And then I got to go and do something and say something. I didn't know what to do. God said to me very clearly, just, just go. Then what am I to say? What do I do? He said, don't worry about what to say. What's there to do? Be there. Just be there for him. You know, one of the names of God is called Emmanuel, God with us. Because we all need a friend to be with us. Compassion means you're with people when they're in their trouble. You may not have the answers, but you can walk with them so they're not alone, and you can believe in them, they can get up out of it. Now, that's compassion. See? And, and so I went there, and, and I didn't know what to do. And the Lord said, don't do anything. Just go out of the car and give him a hug. And I went out to this man. He came out the door. I went out, and I just put my arms around and hugged him. And then I wept. And he wept, and we both cried. And that was it. I did what I could and took a service, and hard to explain. He's very angry and upset. But later on, he said that was the first time in his life he ever felt the love of God. He didn't feel me, he felt love from God touching his life. See, so compassion is it's, it's a God quality. It's not sympathy. Sympathy just reinforces self pity and negative attitudes. Compassion finds constructive ways to enter people's world and connect with them and then help them walk through it. You don't have to fix their problem. Most, most, most Christians withdraw from helping people because we think we've got to fix their problem we'll have all the answers. Listen, I don't have all the answers. But we have someone who does. And as we walk with him, he'll unfold them. Okay, so Jesus was moved with compassion. In Luke 15, verse 20, Jesus taught what God is like. He's talking to religious people. He's talking to church people, by the way. Now, most times when we look at this, we don't think or see where we fit in these stories. But there's the parable of the prodigal son. The son went away and ruined his life, wasted all the father's dough, blew it all out, then came back. And the Bible says when the father saw him, he was moved with compassion. Now, notice he was moved with compassion. What did he do? Well, 
Oh, wait till he comes home, I'll tell him a bit of what. You know, when people have failed, they don't need to be told what's what. They already know. What they need is compassion. Someone to believe in them. And says the father ran, ran to him. Threw his arms around him and hugged him and kissed him. Didn't even allow him to talk it all through. Just welcome him back. That's God. That's God. By the way, that's God. Jesus said it so we'd know what God's like. I know what Christians get like. We get judgmental. We get critical. We find fault. We think God won't do that, but he does it. You see, the one who was like that was the older brother who was in the house, never went away, never spent all the money, never blew it, never did a bad thing. It appeared, but he had no concept of the heart of the father. He was just as lost as the one that went out. And Jesus taught it because he wanted people to understand that God's heart is filled with compassion to gather a lost person up and just love them and welcome them and celebrate them and bring them in and make it possible for them to have a way. And God wanted us to also understand that religion doesn't help people because it keeps them locked in prison of resentment without a heart for the people God has a heart for. God has a heart for people. He loves people. He's paid a huge price to win them, and he expects us to be engaged representing them properly. We need to represent God well. People hate God and turn away from God because of how his people represent him or misrepresent him. I want you to think about this. You have to think about this. See, people, people are open to God, but not so open to church. The reason not so open to church is because their experiences with Christians are not good. So we've got to change. We've got to come up to what God wants. We need to let God reveal his heart and compassion. We need an encounter with his compassion so we can share with others what we've felt. You can't give what you haven't felt. Okay then, so compassion. Here we go. So how can I grow in compassion? How can I get a bit of compassion in my life? Well, do a Bible study. You think that'll help you? Well, you know all the scriptures. Well, I'm going to have compassion today. There we go, go and have some compassion out here. And then you find it, what you find is your patience will run very short because the person you need to be compassionate will always turn up at the wrong time, wrong place, very inconvenient. It's just a nuisance. Before you know it, it's a nuisance. See, so it's got to come out of your heart. It's not just something you sort of add on. I'm going to do that now. Well, it's a good message. I'll be compassionate now. No, 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 no. We actually need to change. We need to have something in us. We need to have the life of God in this area in us. We need a revelation. You know, and every time I get a revelation of it, I, I find it touches me deeply. See, so here it is. How can I grow in compassion? Number one, key number one is draw near to God. James 4, 8. If you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. If God's got compassion, I just need to get near him and hang out with him a bit more, and I can draw some of his compassion into my life. So what do I need to do? See, you, see the thing is, we need a fresh experience with God. We need fresh encounters and touches of God in our life. We need a fresh revelation of who he is. If you've, never, if you've never been in the pit of despair and you've failed and your best efforts have fallen over and then felt Jesus come and just love you and gather you up and didn't say a word about what you'd done wrong, that's when you've experienced this love and compassion. See? He says, you know, we, we just love to point out what was wrong. But see, Jesus doesn't do that so much. He actually gathers us up and first of all affirms our relationship that we're of value. Then he talks about how to get out of the hole. He always loves and values us. And this is something we've got to learn. We've got to learn the, the heart of God in this matter. See, so, so as I can't live out of yesterday's revelation or I'll be dry and withered. You can't live out of yesterday's understanding of God. We have to have a fresh one today and tomorrow. We need to actually begin to engage God personally. 
personally. Corporate thing's wonderful, and it has its place, but individually we have to encounter God with our own personal prayer life. And so that, that involves several things. One is we need just hunger for him. So one, let me give you some simple keys how this could take place in your life. Uh, one key for if we're drawing near to God is to read the Word of God. Now, the Word of God, see, if you don't read the Word of God, you're living out of your feelings. You won't last long. You'll be up like, you know, the cold weather and you're down. The hot weather, you're up. The spring weather and the winds are blowing and you're crabby and nasty. Then the autumn, you go off as well. And so we have a church full of people that are sort of whoosh and whoosh and just, well, what's the weather like today? That's what I'll be like. Now, you can't live your life on the, on the outside. You've got to live it from within. You've got to live it by drawing on life. We have to big roots that go down deep. One of the ways is to read the Word of God, to read it and fill yourself with the Word of God. It is the only thing that will build and develop your faith. Miracles won't develop your faith much because the disciples saw people raised from the dead and still they were in unbelief. It's the Word of God. We have to actually soak the Word of God into our life. We've got to spend time reading it, uh, engaging it. I see I've got a new Bible. Look at this. Hey, a new Bible, eh? I can hardly find my way around it yet, but I because it's different. And I don't, the other one, I used to know where everything was. You know, I'd colored it in from one end to the other, but it was starting to fall apart. Now I've got a new one, and so already, now I've only had it a little while, and you'll find it's marked all, all over it, all kinds of places, eh? Because you've got to mark the Bible. You've got to get into it and, and spend time in the Word of God and then respond to the Word of God. Take time to meditate in it. Take something from Scripture and just begin to meditate in it. Roll it around in your mind as you go to get up in the morning, begin to think about it. And as you go to bed at night, begin to think about it. Get one of the stories of God being compassionate. Begin to meditate on think about it. Picture it and get it around. Let your heart just welcome it in. It just takes a little bit of time, you see. And so for, we've got to be living deeper than just on the surface and uh, then remember how God's touched your life remember how God's touched your life start to think about how God think about times when God was really kind and really helped you begin to remember them and go over them again as you remember them it comes alive you know we remember the works of the Lord Psalm 77 talks about remembering what God has done and meditating on what God has done as you do it it begins to come into your life into your spirit into your inner man and then it starts to become an experience we begin to experience it again so if I begin to meditate, how many have found if you start to testify and begin to remember what you felt like to be unsaved and what it was like when you encountered God and how things began to really change and your heart begins to, oh, great, you start to feel weepy again. You start to, oh, Jesus, thank you for saving me. You, you, you engage the original revelation. So once God has touched you once, Keep going back there and meditating in it and keep reinforcing it so you actually grow in that revelation. Don't just be, you know, like a McChurch where you come and you're, let's go, quick, McCafe, give me, give me, I'm out. You, you can't walk with God like that. We have to develop depth in our life and it just takes time. And uh, so we remember how God has touched our lives. Psalm 63 verse 6 talks about that. And, uh, and just spend time in the presence of God. Just Now you can buy CDs, which have got lovely worship music in it, and you can just take time to sit and rest and be quiet in the presence of God, waiting on Him. There's, there's no substitute for having God. Now you see, now, now anyone who's had Lynn around, how many, how many, some of you have had Lynn come around. Now Lynn has got an interesting perfume. Now wherever Lynn has been, I smell the perfume. She comes into my office. There's a perfume there long after she's gone. I know, and anyone who walks in, they know Lynn was there. Lynn was there. Even when she was eating ham, they're all sniffing her. What's this? 
Don't smell like anything we ever smelt before. <laughs> it's the perfume, right? I hope. <laughs> now, you understand, the Bible talks about the fragrance of Christ. There is something imparted into our life that only time and his presence can give you. And you carry it. It's around your life. People feel it. There's something different about you. They, now, you, when you're praying and you're spending time with God, often you don't feel much at all. But others notice. They notice you're carrying something. There's something about you're peaceful. Why are you so peaceful? The, the, you know, people say that. It seems peaceful. I've had people say just recently, I said, just, I feel peaceful when I'm around, sitting with you, just talking. Suddenly all my troubles seem to get out because something's ministered to them. He didn't pray for them or do any big deal. We carry, we're ministers of the Spirit. But you, how can you bring God to people if you don't spend time in His presence? If the only times you really encounter God are on a Sunday, then what are you going to have all the week? It's like you come in and have a big drink. And then we're drunk. By the end of the week, we're dried out again. Have to get another one. Come on, we need to build a consistency in our personal life with God. See, so here's the second thing that we need to do. So number one, God, draw near, begin to have time in the presence of God. Here's the second thing we need to do. It's also found in James 4. It, the Bible tells us to put off certain things. It tells us to put off certain things. It tells us to get rid of sin out of our lives. So if you want compassion, draw near to the one who's compassionate, but you've actually got to do some other things as well. Now let me just read you a scripture out of Psalm 119. Psalm 119 says something like this. i just find it. Here, Psalm 119. It's bound to be colored in here. Here it is. It's colored in. Look at that. Psalm 59. He said, I thought about my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. I made haste and did not delay to keep your commandments. So notice what he said. I thought about what I'm like. So not only did he spend time in the word, he thought and pondered as he read the word what his life is like. How do I treat people? How do I treat people who fail? How do I treat people who don't meet my expectations? How do I treat people who don't do what I thought they'd do? In fact, do something completely different. Is there compassion there? Well, think about it. See, He said, I thought on my ways and then I changed in order to be able to walk in God's way. God's way is compassionate. Now, it's not weak and soft, it's, it's, it's gutsy, as you'll see in just a moment. So, uh, so we need to think about our ways to make some changes. Now, in Matthew 23 and verse 23, Jesus had an interesting thing to say. And uh, he's talking to church people. Now, I know when you look at it, you won't identify with these people at all. I, I look at it and I think I'm probably one of them. And I just haven't seen it yet. So I'll read the word expecting I'm one of these religious people and just let the Lord speak to me out of his word. Because you, you need to let the word apply to your life, not just think, you know, this is not me. Oh, 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 oh. It wouldn't be like that. And this is what Jesus said in verse 23. He talked to religious people. Now, when he's talking to scribes and Pharisees, you saying, why don't we just say, woe to church people who are religious and disconnected from God. And then he says that they do something. There's something they do, something they don't do. And he said, this is what you do. He says, you're very diligent in doing certain things. Well, you dress up right, you behave right, you speak right, you park your car in the right place, you order your life right, you've got everything looking right, you even pay your tithes regularly, and you're very diligent in paying your tithes, do all these things, oh, what good people you are. No, he didn't say that at all. He said, you do all of this kind of stuff, but he said, you have missed out on the weightier matters. He said, in other words, you, your externals are not bad, you look meticulous on the outside, but he said that the things that really count, the weighty matters... In other words, tithing is not a weighty matter. 
It's not a big deal. It's not a weighty matter. There are other matters which are weightier. In other words, they're more important. They carry more weight. They're more important as far as God goes. And what are they? Well, isn't it interesting? Three things he mentions. Interesting what he mentions first. Justice. Justice. What that means is doing the right thing. Now, that, that gets rid of all of this political correctness nonsense. He says it starts off with being able to stand up for what is right and speak out about what is right. How about that? That is weighty with God. Now, that's not bad, is it? It's weighty with God to stand up and speak out what's right and what's wrong and to treat people rightly and to act rightly. That's a weighty thing with God. Second thing, which is a weighty thing with God, is mercy. Mercy is the word compassion, having kindness towards people, particularly people who have failed, are struggling, have got weaknesses, have got difficulties, have got obstacles and things to overcome you're not even aware of. Mercy. And then the third one, which is a weighty thing with God, you can't please God with that, is faith. That is believing that if I will stand up for what is right and speak out what is right and show mercy and kindness to people, God will bless my life and God will bring an impact through my life. That's weighty. But just doing nice things, that's not weighty. You've got to do right things, God things. Right things before God. Right things before God. And people don't like it when you do right things before God. And what he was saying, he was saying to the church of his day, you're sanitized and clean and smart and slick and got everything looking good, but at the core it's all corrupt. He said, because you're missing the weightier things. He said, listen, the tithing and all the other stuff, fine, do it. You need to do it. But he says, you need to actually get the heart of God, that God's concerned not about externals, but about internals, about right living and right attitudes to people and right attitudes to God. Notice the order it's in. Saying and speaking right, doing right, acting and doing the right thing consistently, showing kindness to people, mercy to them consistently, and then believing that God can come into those situations. We probably would have put him in the other order, wouldn't we? But God puts action first. And, and Jesus spoke to them. And I, I, I feel continually a challenge for the church, for Bay City, and for the church in our nation, that we speak and do what's right, and that we have a heart for people, and that we believe God. Just turning up and doing the right things is not good enough. It's not what God's after. He's after a heart connection to him, see? And so we need to deal. So, so what we've got to do then is just some things. If you want the compassion of God, you've got to get to deal with some stuff. Yeah, bitterness. You can't be compassionate and bitter at the same time. If you're bitter, it'll always come out. So we've got to put that off. Judgmental. When we, when we look at people and find fault. And this is, it's a chronic problem. It's rooted in spiritual pride. I know so much. Listen. What counts is not how much Bible you know, and how much God you know, and how much you're living out. The, 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 the religious people knew all this stuff. They knew the Bible back to front. They had it all worked out. They had all things worked out. But the problem was they didn't bring God to people. And God says, you're a block. You actually don't get to touch me and get into my presence and encounter and experience and draw me. And then you stop those who want to. He had some very severe words to say. And of course, what we do is mentally when we read the Bible is we separate ourselves away from many of the things that are in there, assuming we're doing fine. 
Yesterday when I was talking with the businessman, we talked about the parable of the Samaritan. I said there was a, in that story of the Samaritan, there's, a, there's a, a, a priest and there's a Levite, good church people, and there's a Samaritan. Where would you position yourself? Now, you, I know. I know where we'll all position ourselves. We're all a Samaritan. Until you look into the story at what one lot did and what he did. And then you realize, actually, more often than not, we're like the religious people. And we've got to move. We've got to shift and get the heart of God. To do that requires we engage the God who's compassionate, experiences compassion on us. I mean, you've got to get open and try about your weaknesses and your lacks. And, and as you see, we're not as good as we thought, but we've got stuff. But God wants us to be honest with him. And as we're honest and repent, our life begins to change. We begin to move. We begin to shift on. What an amazing thing. And here's the last thing. We need to let the Spirit of God change us. Need to let God change us. James 4, 10 talks very clearly about that. We need to let God change us. Let God work in our life. Now, let me give you several things on that. Number one, what you focus on, you'll open your life to. So you've got to focus on something. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, if we behold the Lord, we get changed. So I've got to meditate on him and begin to see him as being compassionate and loving. So when I come to him, every time I come to him, I get the scripture in my mind and my heart. He's compassionate. He's loving. He's accepting. Of me. He understands my difficulty. He's welcoming you to come. See? And I begin to meditate on it. And let the spirit of God change. As you focus on what God is like, you become gradually and systematically changed. Second thing I need to do, is uh, second thing you need to understand is this, is that encounter releases a revelation of the heart of God. When you start to encounter God, what happens is you begin to change. It brings a revelation. In Isaiah 6, interesting what happened to Isaiah. Isaiah encountered God. And what he, does you know what he heard after he got cleaned up in his life? You know what he heard? This is what he heard God say when he encountered God. Who will go for us? Who will represent us? Who will take us to people? Who will speak on our behalf? Who will be an ambassador? Who will actually go to places that others don't want to go to? Who will go to the lowest place? Who will go to the biggest messes? Who will go to the worst cases? Who will go for us? And you know what came out of his encounter with God and the heart of God? Feeling the heart of God. You know what? When you, when you encounter God, you hear his heart for people. His compassion. You can't meet with God and not understand he's a compassionate God. And he loves people. So it's great to have the experiences of God, but you need to know he's compassionate and who will go for us, who will represent us. He said, here I am. Encounter with God brings out a desire to just actually touch people's lives. That's why we've got to continually be refreshed because you get disappointed with people and you've got to go back to the Lord to renew your compassion again. People let you down, they do crazy dumb things. But we've got to do that. See, uh, like for example, Joshua. Joshua spent a lot of time in the presence of God and he was the kind of man God could use to make a difference because he loved the presence of God. We're going to love his presence, love his tangible presence. It's not just for pastors, it's for everyone to enjoy his presence. What an awesome thing, eh? So encounter with God changes how we see people. So interesting what Jesus said. When he looked out, he saw the multitude with compassion. He sees our nation with compassion. He sees our city with compassion. And then he says to the disciples, would you pray? Because if you pray, you'll encounter God. If you begin to encounter God's compassion, you know, well, you're know going to hear him send you. So we pray, God send laborers. And God's saying, you pray, and then I'll send you. Because you'll catch my heart for people. There's someone God wants to send you to. There's someone God wants you to touch with your life. But we need to encounter his compassion. This morning, as I, as I just began to meditate on this, I felt, that I felt it was as though Jesus walked into the room. I began to weep and weep and weep with the sense of his great love for people and his love for me. And so it, it, it enters your spirit and it flows over out of your spirit. 
So what could I do? Well, here's three things you can do. Very simple things that Jesus did that you can do. Number one, connect with people. Connect with people. You have to connect with people. Connect with people. In John 21 verse 9, you know what Jesus did? After all the disciples ran away from him, after they all blew it, after they were so proud, having done all the spiritual ministry, and then a bit of pressure comes on, they all do a runner. You know what Jesus did? He sat down and cooked them a meal. How's the fishing going, boys? Not too good. Okay, cast the net the other side. See what happens there. He, gives them, he helps them out. Isn't this interesting? He brings supernatural power to help them out, then gives them a meal and doesn't even talk about their failures. That's God. He said, well, you've got to talk about failures. Yeah, probably a lot less than you think. You've got to acknowledge failures. And we have to repent of failures. And we have to be responsible for our failures. But we do not need to make them the focus of our heart intent. We've got to get out of there. We've got to get into compassion. And you don't ignore the failures. They do have to be processed. And if people won't repent, they don't ever get out of their mess. They stay in it. But nevertheless, you've got to connect with people. So Jesus connected with them. Hey, how do you connect with people? Have a cup of coffee. Have a meal. Take them out for something. Do something together. See, that's how you connect with people. Just got to talk with them. Don't go trying to give them the four spiritual laws. Just go find a point or bridge of contact. Connect with people. That's what Jesus did. Always just connect with people. Sitting down by a well, a woman comes up. She says, hey, what about getting me a glass of some water? She said, well, how come you're talking to me? And he connected. Just connect. Connect with people. We've got to engage people. That's why, you know what I look at in church? I look at, we sing songs, and I ask everyone, why don't you go and say hello to a lot of people? You'd be amazed how many people sit down immediately. What? is wrong and dysfunctional in you. You need help. You need help. Because you've missed the plot. It's not about sitting in rows. Maybe we should take all the rows out one day. Does everyone come in? You can all stand up and sit on the ground. Just mix it up a little, you know. That'd be quite good, wouldn't it? I'd like that. I hate all rows anyway. I like them in circles and, you know. So, but yet we understand we live in a culture that's disconnected. Do not be a disconnected person. Connect with people. Don't walk past people. Smile at them. Connect with them. Say hello. Grin at them. Welcome them. And you know, when we worship God, well, we worship God. We don't know worship God. They might sit down and got the message now. What about people? Come on. You've got to talk to people. There's someone sitting near you who's deeply broken and hurt, and they just didn't tell you. And they're not going to tell you unless you connect with them and they sense that you're interested in them and then suddenly you'll find they'll just break down and weep and share it all because they're looking for someone to do that and the compassion will enable you to do it. Come on. You've got to change. You say, well, I'm not that kind of person. Change. Jesus is and he will help you to become that kind of person. Follow me. Follow me. Did Jesus tell you to follow him? He said, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. In other words, I'll teach you how to influence people. I'll teach you how to get involved with people because people are important. Buildings go, money goes, everything goes. People go on forever. Connect with people. Here's the last couple of things. Just very simple things. Number one, connect with them. Number two, show concern for them. Isn't it? Show concern for them. Show an interest in people. You've got to slow down a little to do that. It's interesting how they're getting on. Now, they may tell you, which could be a problem for you. But however, show concern for people. 
Just so you don't have to fix their problems. You've just got to be concerned about them, interested in them. You know what Jesus, you know one of the things Jesus said after he'd risen from the dead? This is what he said. He said, I want you to go back. The, the women were the ones who were there. The disciples are all total failed. The woman came back at least to see what was going on. And Jesus spoke to one of the women, made the woman the first evangelist in the Bible uh, after he rose from the dead, and said, go back and tell them all I've risen from the dead. And by the way, let Peter know I've risen. Now, why did he single out Peter? Because Peter was the one who blew it the biggest. And you know, isn't it one of the first things he's concerned about? Hey, tell Peter I want him to come back. I know he blew it, but I'm, I'm interested in him. My heart's still towards him. I'm not upset with him. I want him to come back. I want to give him another go. And when Peter met with the Lord, he didn't even say anything. And no one talked. It's kind of this awkward sort of thing where Peter knows he's really blowing it big time. And Jesus says, do you love me? He says, yeah, yeah, I love you, Lord. He says, okay, go and feed my sheep. And he just motivated and empowered him to get up and get going again. What a great thing that is. The ministry of encouragement. But you've got to be concerned and have genuine interest in it. Finally, the last thing is care. Care is always practical. Compassion is always practical. Compassion shows kindness to people. If, you know, just a meal sometimes, a phone call. I saw someone do something. We've got a lady in our church here. Uh, Joel Pretorius, her father died in South Africa, and she's thinking, how am I going to get home to South Africa? Someone sitting near her said, go to South Africa. Wrote a check out to get her there. That's compassion. That's compassion on a big scale. And we don't have to do it on a big scale, if you can do it, but we all need to engage God's compassion and have that heart for people because that's what God is like and we want to represent him well. Father, we just want to open our hearts to engage your presence, to engage your wonderful love that you have for people. Father, I pray every one of us will begin to deepen our relationship, our time with you, and that we would begin to carry your presence to touch lives. Lord, we don't want to be like religious people, disconnected, busy about our own affairs, and missing the weightier matters saying and doing what's right, showing mercy to people who need encouragement and help and lifting up and acting in a way that believes you're going to bless what we do. Father, we just pray for a great enlargement to come in our lives. You would enlarge our heart, enlarge our giving, enlarge our generosity, enlarge our capacity to make people welcome in our world. Lord, expand our world. And more than anything, we just pray for your presence to come to touch every one of us. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you right now. Maybe there's someone here and you need to receive Jesus Christ. It'd be a great time to do it right now. God loves you. He really loves you, believes in you. He's done everything he can to reach out to you. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for all of your sins. So you'd never have to work hard to please God just by trusting what Jesus did on your, on your behalf would be enough in God's eyes. What an amazing thing that God would would not hold anything back from you and me. Is that amazing or what? It's amazing. Nothing held back is very best. It's because he has compassion. He understands we, we tend to blow it. Not just once, but regularly, consistently. And so we need his grace. And we need to understand he's compassionate. And he'll help us get up and he'll keep getting us up until we've learned how to get through that issue in our life and grow to another level. I wonder if any person here needs to receive Jesus, you're willing to become a Christian. Why don't you quickly raise your hand just right now. Just put your hand out to me now. I want to become a Christian. Come my heart to Jesus today. I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. You may come to church, but that doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is a relationship, personal decision to put your life into the hands of Jesus Christ and to commit your life to following Him.
He's got good plans for your life. Anyone who loves you enough to die on the cross has got good plans. But that's the deal, is we stop living a life on our own and we come and we begin to acknowledge what He's done, acknowledge our sin, and open our life to respond to Him. Is there anyone here today say, that's me? Just put your hand up so I can see just while we finish now. Anyone? Father, I just thank you for people here today, many who desperately need a touch of God. Father, I pray for your spirit to begin to reach out and touch people right now. Just while the musicians just play that song, we just finish with this atmosphere. I'm not going to get you to stand up and sing a song or anything like that. You don't need to do that. Just as they just play that music, the atmosphere of God is going to settle back over us. Why don't you offer to pray for someone near you? Talk with them. Maybe take them out for a cup of coffee out in the cafe. Connect with someone. Talk to someone. Notice people. Notice people. If you could reach out and ask the person near you, could I pray for you? I'd love to pray for you. Is there anything you'd like me specially to pray for? Well, let me just pray then for God's blessing in your life you'll be a great person that God's hand will be upon him why don't we just do that one to another right now it's not a hard thing to pray a simple prayer if you're not part of the church and you feel uncomfortable with that you don't have to do that but, but let someone pray for you just let someone pray for you just let someone pray for you if you have to get away please feel free to leave now meetings finished.